from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report? We come to you from Studio B, back on Airline Drive today, and... Uh, Yours truly, Sean Kelly, back in the chair to host. Our thanks to Daniel Salerson for helping us out yesterday. He had one arm in the Northwest, one arm up in Chicago, feet planted here in New Orleans, and uh, help us get through. And uh, certainly we will uh, try and carry on his good work this Tuesday as uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Boy, what a night last night. The, uh, the loss for the football team up in Seattle, the win for the Pelicans up in Chicago, and uh, now we quickly will turn our attention to uh, more basketball this week at home and football at home this weekend against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it has been an interesting morning, to say the least. Uh, as you probably are listening to this now, the Saints are on their way back from Seattle. Problems last night with their travel situation. Uh, as you'll hear later on in the show with John DeShazer, they found out literally before they were to head to the airport last night that things were not uh, all good travel-wise, and ended up having to stay another night in Seattle, and that stings after the loss that they suffered at CenturyLink last night. 34-7, as you all know, was the final score last night. And, um, you know, part of me, in thinking about the game last night, uh, you certainly have to, to tip your cap to Seattle and say, okay, last night the Seahawks were the better team, and they proved that at this moment they're the best team in the NFC. And I guess I, I stress that, at this moment phrase because sometimes we all get caught up in this college football mentality right now of how one loss can ruin the whole thing and you lose a game and the whole thing's shot and, and you may as well pack up everything up. That's not the case in the NFL and certainly last night didn't look good. It was a dominant performance by Seattle but a, a lot of my thoughts here this morning again this is I guess Tuesday morning quarterbacking is that it's one game you take the loss and you move on, and, and things could be better down the road. Who knows? Seattle could take one on the chin here down the stretch, and this whole thing gets flipped upside down again. But uh, at the moment, as it stands, I understand. Now we all have to look at the NFC playoff road going through Seattle all the way till the end, and that's daunting not just for the Saints but for everybody in, the, uh, in this side of the ledger, on this side of the ledger. But, uh, yeah, last night was really tough to watch. Seattle really proved uh, – that they were ready to go and uh, had something to say about how this was all going to stack up seating-wise late, and it puts the uh, Saints in a, a not a precarious spot, but a less comfortable spot here going into the rest of December, starting with Carolina this weekend. Uh, the uh, offense never did get going, did it last night? 34-7, to the final. It was a great job uh, by the Seahawks' defense, and I don't think any of us can remember the last time we saw Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton's uh, offense struggle like it did last night. What was Breeze last night? Breeze ended up 23 of 38 for 147 yards, just the one touchdown to Jimmy Graham. The uh, rushing game also had its problems last night. And, you know, all in all, obviously the uh, second quarter touchdown for the Saints was not going to be enough as Seattle just kept on rolling. 
and rolling and rolling. There's been a lot of talk this morning about the Saints being a poor outdoor team and better yet, a poor cold weather team. Uh, Drew Brees, last night after the game, kind of uh, dismissed some of those theories and had this to say. I would say the, the statistics don't lie. Since 2009, we have the most wins on the road of any team in the NFL, period. Since 2006, we are the second most behind the New England Patriots. So if you just look at that, that's, that's, you, nobody's really done their research, obviously. We certainly didn't prove anybody wrong that was saying that um, by tonight's performance. But I can say that you know, the weather did not play a factor. The, I mean, the noise was, yes, it's loud. It's, it's tough to communicate. You know, you've got to really have your stuff together. Felt like we did a good job communicating. So didn't feel like that was as big a factor as, you know, I think what a lot of teams deal with when they come here. Um, felt like we were prepared for that. Um, we just got outplayed. They played great. We didn't. Kind of piggybacking what he said about the weather and the noise and everything else, Breeze just pretty much flat out had this to, to, uh, to add to the pile as far as getting beat on the football field last night. I mean, obviously that, that, that first half was tough. You know, um, we go into halftime 27-7. You know, everything they did offensively was right, and you know, we, we really couldn't get anything going. I believe, you know, looking back, I think we had five possessions in that first half. Four of those were three and outs. And then the one where we did, you know, move the ball, we went down and got a touchdown. You know, converted some critical third downs and, 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 and got a touchdown, you know, to answer, you know, their initial kind of onslaught. So, but then after that, you know, listen, we, we got stopped on two fourth downs there in the fourth quarter that, you know, if we can finish those drives with touchdowns, it's, Certainly at least more respectable looking, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, we took one on the chin today. We got outplayed today. They played, they played great, and uh, they made a lot of plays, and we didn't. You know, they deserve a lot of credit, both uh, defensively and offensively, for the way they played. They were certainly well prepared. This is a tough atmosphere to come in and play, but obviously we're a much better team than, than what we put on the field today. All right, so now as it stands, the uh, Saints and head coach Sean Payton find themselves at 9-3, and three, uh, heading back home to take on Carolina this Sunday night in a game that will determine the top of the NFC South. The Panthers are winners of eight straight. But before we get to them, here's Coach Payton on last night's loss. It was a difficult loss. You know, we didn't do a lot of things well in that game. You know, we'll have to come back on a short week now and get ready to play uh, another real good football team at home on Sunday. We've got to do a better job as coaches, starting with me. And I just finished telling the players, you know, there were too many things in that game we didn't do or didn't do well enough to give ourselves the opportunity to win. Credit Seattle. You know, they made the plays they needed to, and uh, they certainly were the better team tonight. It's interesting how teams and coaches deal with uh, wins and losses. What do you do post-game? And uh, certainly sometimes you want to remember it a little longer. Sometimes you want to flush it right away. Here's Coach Payton last night talking about what do you take from last night's rough uh, outcome at Seattle and how it pertains to now the quicker turnaround to Carolina. One of the things we discussed was just the, the quick turnaround. You know, it's, it's, it's a setback, and now you're on a short week, but uh, you know, we've got to make the corrections. Can't just say it didn't happen. But that being said, uh, quickly we've got to get focused on Carolina, and they're playing as good a football as anyone in the league right now. So. Uh, we'll do that. And while I certainly pointed out the deficiencies of the Saints offense last night, obviously allowing Seattle to score 34 points is a no-no as well. They did stop the run, but uh, Russell Wilson had a field day last night at home. Here's Coach Payton talking about uh, whether or not uh, 
there was one side of the ball or the other that had more blame in the loss. You know, we had trouble rushing the football. We had trouble protecting the passer, getting guys open. I mean, it, you know, we didn't, do, uh, we didn't do enough things in any one area. So, you know, we didn't do a good enough job coaching and, and certainly giving our guys a chance, their best chance to, to make plays. And, uh, you know, we got, beat. we got beat good tonight. So it's tough. So the Saints traveling back to New Orleans today. Uh, a short week gets shorter because of that travel situation. Uh, and on that airplane right now is our own John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. We did get a chance to catch up with J.D. Uh, we'll visit with him here in just a moment. That visit was recorded right on their way to the airport. Also, later in the show, we'll turn our attention to the historic win for the Pelicans last night. They completed the three-game road sweep out east with a triple overtime win at Chicago, 131-128 was the final score. Later on here in the Black and Blue Report, we'll hear from head coach Monty Williams, Tyreek Evans, and Drew Holiday, who combined on the game-winning play, and Ryan Anderson, who uh, capped a heck of a road trip with a new career high, 36 points last night. He was spectacular, and I got to catch up with him on the plane ride home from Chicago last night. So all that's still to come here on this uh, bittersweet Tuesday. As we had a sweet Pelicans win, but a, an awfully bitter pill to swallow up in Seattle. We'll wrap up our football side of the conversation when we bring in John DeShazer next. Make the holiday season extra special for your favorite sports fan by giving the gift of Pelicans basketball. The Pelicans holiday plan presented by Austin Steakhouse is the perfect stocking stuffer. With packages starting as low as $45, you can choose any five games, including the Heat, Thunder, and Clippers. Plus, with every holiday plan purchase, you'll receive a free $25 Austin Steakhouse gift card. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your holiday plan today. Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. All right, let's go to Seattle now here on the Black and Blue Report. As promised, John DeShazer about to get on the plane and finally come home uh, from his big trip up to the Northwest. John, good morning. Uh, how are things this morning here the night after uh, the day after? Well, I think you, uh, the emphasis being on blue, on the Black and Blue the, uh, this morning. Not a great morning for the Saints. Uh, obviously, that 34-7 loss at CenturyLink Field was not what anyone was anticipating. Uh, we knew Seattle was a good team. Um, they pretended one and had won 13 consecutive games at home, but certainly um, expected the Saints to be, you know, more competitive in that game. So, you know, that's a disappointment all around. I mean, from, you know, coach to players in the locker room, everyone just pretty much said it was a, a, a thorough butt whooping, you know, so to speak. And so uh, you go back to the drawing board because they don't have a whole lot of time to reflect on it. And, you know, you try to get the corrections done because Carolina comes in on Sunday night. And on top of that, you know, playing problems last night, leaving out of Seattle, forced the team to have to stay an extra night. And so instead of uh, being in New Orleans right now, um, you know, we're still in Seattle and preparing to leave. So that essentially kind of, you know, deteriorates some of the preparation you'd be able to do. I know the players would have been off today anyway, but, 
you know, to, to arrive back in New Orleans at maybe five or you know six p.m. as opposed to you know six a.m. is is a significant time difference in terms of getting guys treatment and and, and getting the preparation done. John, based on what you saw last night and what players and coaches said after the game, how much of this is on the Saints, and how much how much of it was what Seattle was able to do? Well, I mean, yeah, maybe equal parts. I mean, you got you got to give the Seahawks credit. I mean, they are a great team, and they're a great team at home. And and what they showed last night was they're not a one dimensional team. Um, the Saints wanted to take away Marshawn Lynch. They did so. They limited him to less than 50 yards rushing, so he never got into the uh, quote-unquote beast mode. However, Russell Wilson, the young quarterback, was, I believe, 22 out of 30 for 310 yards and three touchdowns and, you know, had some significant damage against the Saints. In fact, he ended up being the leading rusher in the game for about, you know, with about 50 yards. So he really proved to be to be the X factor in the game, the deciding factor. And, and for the Saints part, I mean, they just never got on track to, it wasn't weather. It wasn't you know conditions uh, or anything like that. It was playing a very very good team that was that was you know extremely well prepared. Um, you know Drew Brees throws for 147 yards on 23 completions, and that's just pretty much unheard of. And since he's been with the Saints, and in fact he had passed for more than 200 yards in 43 consecutive games, and the Saints were limited to 188 yards, and they hadn't had that few yards since you know 2003. So. You know, they played a great defensive team. Um, you know, I don't know how much the 12th man played into it because, you know, fan noise, We it was hard to hear in the press box. It was enclosed, so, you know, it was difficult to hear. But obviously, you know, they, they touted for a reason, you know, so it, it can be a factor. But, you know, the Saints never gave them a reason to be quiet or never never provided a reason to shut them down. So, you know, probably with equal parts Seattle and, and, and equal parts Saints. I mean, the Saints didn't execute particularly well. They had seven penalties for... 52 yards. They had more penalty yards than rushing yards. They had 44 yards rushing, and uh, some of that had to do with with the crowd noise. But again, a lot of that had to do with playing a, a really, really good team that's on a hot streak. John, as I was sitting there in Chicago last night, I kept I, I would catch glimpses of the game and I would watch the scoreboard and everything else. But after watching the Saints' offense week in week out, I just I just felt all along that okay, at any moment here they're going to get it going and it's going to be bang 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 and we're going to have a heck of a football game. What did Seattle do defensively to stop an offense that we've seen uh, prove to be almost unstoppable throughout the entire regular season? Well, I mean, I think they did as good a job playing what they do and what Seattle does is bump and run man to man and they they manned up on the Saints' receivers and they bracketed when they needed to and. And they were able to put people in the box and stop the run. And you know, you don't see teams, you know, who have been who have been able to singularly take away, you know, Saints players in a man-to-man situation. And I think, you know, as well as anyone has done over the years, they were able to do that. I mean, the Saints one scoring drive was 13 plays, 80 yards, and more than eight minutes. And so when you when that happened, you figured, okay, now they're going to get it on track because now they've got Seattle where they want them. You know, they've ground they've ground them down a little bit, and now they'll be able to hit them with a big play. At no point did the Saints ever pop one of those you know shot plays, one of those big plays. They never got behind Seattle. And we've come to expect the Saints to be able, you know be able to get some quick strike scores. You know, those six play you know, 80-yard drives that last a minute and a half, and none of those ever came to fruition. And, and that was the huge surprise that Seattle was able to man up on those receivers, pretty much take them away, take away all Drew Brees' top options. You know, Jimmy Graham was the only guy who averaged in double figures in receiving yards. Everybody else averaged seven yards per catch or less. And that's just, again, something that you don't see with the Saints. And then they brought the heat. They were able to get off the corners on that defensive line, apply pressure to Brees 
force him to step up in the pocket and, and deliver the ball before he wanted to on on, on a lot of occasions. And um, again, that, that's those are just things we had not become accustomed to seeing from the Saints. And, and Seattle was one of the few teams that were able to that have been able to do that over the years. It seems, you know, it seems, and maybe this is more than just the surface, but it seems that the Seahawks dominated from opening kickoff to final gun. But in these games, we find that there are signature plays. Was the play where Drew Brees' arm got hit, the ball came loose, they uh, were able to catch it out of the air and score the touchdown. Did that did that kind of start to spell the tone or signal what was to come the rest of the way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you call that perfectly. I mean, once that, you know, that fumble return for a touchdown, you know, if you can, it's hard enough to score against those guys, you know, with your traditional offense. And then if they're able to score defensively, that's, that's almost like a two for one for them. I mean, cause then they get into the seeding frenzy, but you know, it's bad enough to turn the football over when you turn it over for a score, you know, that's a, you know, you, you can almost, if not a 10 point swing with the Saints, you can generally call it a 14 point swing because you always figure they got to score a touchdown. And so, when you get down in that deficit early enough. And then, you know, they kept forcing the Saints to three and outs. You know, they forced three Saints punts in the first half, and we've seen Saints first half where they didn't punt at all. And on top of that, you know, Seattle was extremely efficient moving the football. They never punted in the first half. They scored on all, all four of their offensive possessions, and they scored the defensive touchdown. And so when you get rolling that way, you know, it's tough to stop a team. And I think that was certainly the signature play when Cliff Averill comes off the off the, the left end and is able to hit Drew Brees' arm, cause that fumble, and Michael Bennett catches it and runs it in 22 yards. You know, that was a, that was, those were just bonus points. And, and, you know, if you get them early enough, you can kind of snowball from there. And I think that's pretty much what they were able to do. Seattle was able to snowball from there. John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com with us from Seattle as the team gets set to uh, to come on home here on this Tuesday. John, before I let you go, when did you all find out last night that you had to stay an extra night? It was right after the game. I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those insult to entry kind of deals. <laughs> you know, we were, we were, you know, packing up and, and getting ready to get on the, on the bus. And, you know, the whole traveling party was about to get ready to roll out. And then you find out, you know, okay, we're going to be delayed. We were at the stadium and then you find that you're going to be delayed. And then on top of that, you know, it gets even worse. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was not the greatest experience in the world. It, it was not the best feeling in the world to, to, to not only not win the game, but to, to not be able to get on a plane and get out of there as soon as possible. Well, safe travel to you all today. I'll leave you with a bright spot to, to maybe help you on the flight home. Uh, it's been announced that Prince will be one of the headliners at the 2014 Essence Festival in New Orleans. Thought maybe that would you know pick you up a little bit. You know I'm going to be on the front row, right? <laughs> I do it. I saw that. I saw that this morning. I said, "Well, I'm going to try and brighten JD's day by telling him that news." So, um, yeah, I no. will be on the front row. I will be present and accounted for. Excellent, excellent. Safe travels, my friend. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow when you get back in here. All right, you too, fun. Thank you, sir. John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. Wish he was the uh, bearer of nicer tidings this morning, but uh, certainly we'll be ready to have the Saints back home and we'll turn our attention to Carolina soon enough. Back with more on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. 
And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading Edge Care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Sean Kelly back with you in Studio B here on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Got home uh, about, uh, I guess the team landed about 2 a.m. from their trip home from Chicago. And still there were a lot of smiles uh, on the Pelicans' faces after last night's triple overtime thriller in Chicago. For the first time in the New Orleans portion of this franchise's history, the Pelicans won uh, a triple overtime game. 131 to 128 was the final score. They beat Chicago, swept the three-game road trip, and find themselves now at 9-8, and eight, a winning record for the team for the first time since they were 3-2 and two in early November of 2012. A lot of fun last night and uh, a lot of uncertainty as both teams were exhausted, running out of players due to foul trouble, and not sure who would step up and finally finish the thing off. Certainly the play drawn up by Monty Williams was awfully special. The Tyreek Evans uh, inbound pass from the left sideline to a diving Drew Holiday down the lane uh, was the streaking play that ended up being the old-fashioned three that uh, gave the uh, New Orleans Pelicans the last lead of the game and proved to be the game winner. Here was head coach Monty Williams following the big win last night. Ever been a part of a game like that before? <laughs> um, I'm sure I have, but... I haven't coached one like that, uh, probably played in one, and um, <clears throat> we're just, we're beat, you know, when you when you put your heart and soul into a game like that and your guys come through, um, it just takes a lot out of you, and I'm so proud of the way we won coming off a of back-to-back against one of the best defenses in the NBA um, to be able to produce no AD, no Greg, number of guys fouling out. I just thought it was a gutsy win, and it, it, it's just about heart, not strategy or anything like that. We just got a lot of character in our locker room. Coach, tell me where you got that last offensive play from, where you streak Holiday from the backcourt. It's like just that. something stupid, you know. Drew just makes the play. You know, I'm not that bright. I, <clears throat> sometimes I, I try to outthink myself. He just made a great play. You know, I'd love to tell you, you know, I'm that bright, but I'm not. He just made a great play. We draw it up for you know a certain thing to happen and he, he just made a, a good play so uh, all the credit goes to him were you surprised to see him almost be that wide open coming down the lane towards the basket well i don't know i ran at one time in portland for jared bayless and uh, it didn't look that that open so you never know end of game plays are the hardest things to run in the nba because the defenses are so good but um you have to have big-time players, man. And, you know, I'm not going to try to take the credit for that. Drew just made a great play. Tyreek makes a great pass. And, you know, Drew just takes off to the basket. Um, just thank thank the Lord that he made it. You talk about, you know, some of the shots that Ryan was hitting. Yeah, he did the same thing last night. He's just a big-time shot maker. Um, I think he played, I don't know how many minutes. He played, he played 56 minutes. So I'm, that might be a career high for him. But he's... He just he's nails when it comes to taking shots, and he fought tonight against Taj and Boozer and Noah. Uh, 
all of our guys did, but he, that's just Ryan. Second night of a back-to-back, what do you tell guys during the breaks or in the huddles? Yeah, like, what do you dig deep, you know. Same thing Tibbs tells his guys. I listen to him a lot, and he always says, dig deep. That's what you have to do. Uh, we've been working with this group since August 19th on conditioning for moments like this. And thank God that we were able to do it, especially not having AD and Greg. Cheap was big playing the four. Tyreek came back in the game and gave us some juice. So that's why you do all the conditioning that you do. Coach, you said back in October, you, you felt at that time you believed that this group might have the character and toughness that yeah. you need. Does a game like this bear that out? You, you, you'd like to think so. Um, I'm not going to get happy on the farm uh, with this win, but you'd like to think that this is something that we can build on. But I do believe in character. I believe that th when things get tough, you don't have to tell character guys what to do. They already know. You just have to point them in the right direction. But that, that's one of the reasons why we put so much focus on bringing good, tough people into our program uh, that can take direction. Coach, you know, talked to me in the office uh, after, the, uh, after the interview and after it was all said and done and said, Sean, I, I had literally nothing left on my sheet that I could use. It was all making things up as we went to finish the game. So all the scenarios that we normally plan for, uh, if A, then B, and if not that, then C, all those things on his card that he normally has with him on his person uh, patrolling the bench uh, had all played out. And so uh, a little bit of freelancing down the stretch there, it all paid off, and the Pelicans had the nice win. The two guys involved in the big play to win it at the end, Tyreek Evans and Drew Holiday, will get their thoughts on how it all shook out last night when we come back on the Black and Blue Report. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. N nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. This is Pelican 4 with Tyreek Evans, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans in triple overtime last night, 131 to 128. A thriller last night, to say the least, at the United Center. That's Tyreek Evans, of course. And uh, uh, Reek was in an interesting situation. Because of matchups and everything else, uh, Tyreek kind of uh, left the game uh, in the second half, probably earlier than we thought he would, then sat and sat and sat, even into the early portions of the overtimes. But as foul trouble started to become a problem, uh, the Pelicans, really without any bigs, had to go a bit smaller, and Evans was brought back into the game and uh, actually played a very significant role in the end. He was the man to pull the trigger on the inbound play off the left sideline that uh, resulted in the uh, Drew Holiday layup and foul that proved to be the game winner. Here's Tyreek Evans talking about that play and the game in general last night in the locker room at United Center. Walk me through that last play on the offensive end, will you? Uh, man, coach, you up a good play. I mean, um 
we executed it well when I passed the ball. You know, it just seemed like the lane was wide open. They didn't know where to stick. You know, Drew um, was aggressive and made a, a tough move and got the end one. Did Drew give you a look on the way, or did you just know when to go? No, I knew when to go. As soon as Ryan set the screen, you know, I was either going to look for him or Ryan. So, you know, he set a good screen, and um, they didn't switch. You know, he had a wide open lane. You know, he finished. He finished the play. Can you imagine when you play a game like this, the emotions on the other side? You know, the feeling that you have right now in winning a triple overtime game. Can you imagine if you all had lost the game? Yeah, it would have been tough. I mean, uh, you know, we played our hearts out. You know, we gave it our all. You know, um, the overtime games, you know, it can be tough. Some teams can, can give up and get tired. But, you know, that's what we came and worked out with each other for early to, for, for times like this, you know, try to build on each, on each other. And, um, we did a good job of fighting, you know, and uh, we did a good job on the road. This road trip was very special. You win all three for the first time this year. This is a winning team for the first time in over a year. Did you all take a step here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's one step at a time for us. I mean, uh, we learned how to play with each other, but, you know, we definitely have guys that can do multiple things on this team. So, you know, when we out there, we just try to try to play, you know, and get to our spots and find guys and make plays for each other. Evans ended up with 13 last night. And then on the other side of that play was Drew Holiday, who not only hit the game winner, but also hit a 15-foot jump shot to tie the game and send it to overtime in the first place. Holiday picked up his fifth double-double last night, and uh, including the game winner, had 19 points to go along with the 12 assists. Here's Holiday from his take on how it all shook out, especially there at the end. When you guys got to the huddle before the last offensive play, did your eyes light up or your ears perk up when you heard what the plan was? I mean, I really just wanted the game to be over, if you want to be honest. It was, uh, what, three overtime? Um, felt like we had some calls that didn't go our way, so, you know, we, we definitely had had a chance to uh, finally close it out. Were you surprised you were that open going down the lane? I was. That was an incredible play. Coach drew up an incredible play. I, I don't think I've ever been that wide open going to the, to the lane in the last four seconds. Probably ever. You mentioned how physical it is to play a game that long. What about the mental part of it, the up and down and never really finally getting through either side? Uh, coach told us before the game that uh, you know, it was the last, last road game on a road trip, and it all started August 19th. Uh, everybody came in and just started grinding and working from there, and that's what we prepared for. So, I mean, coming out here, going into three overtimes, battling back, um, just working hard, honestly, the, 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 the will to win. Drew, you played a lot of games in your career, whether it be Little League, high school, college, whatever. Where does this one rank? Uh, probably one of the most fun, for sure. Um, I'm not sure how many three overtime games I've been in, but it was, uh, it was definitely fun to be part of. So certainly uh, an interesting take from both guys. Eric Gordon also figured prominently into the game, especially late. Uh, and he had about eight points with about 6.16 to go in the fourth quarter. He scored 15 the rest of the way, including the overtimes, and, uh, and finally tallied 23 on the night after uh, starting very slow. So that's the number you get with his field goal percentage at 7 of 23 last night. But he was unbelievable uh, after the game got down to a crunch time there, late fourth and into the overtimes. 15 ties, 23 lead changes last night. The Pelicans now 9-8. and eight. Bulls drop to 7-9, and nine, and the win also comes uh, without Anthony Davis. And we probably will learn more today and have some more for you tomorrow regarding how long AD may be out with that uh, non-displaced fracture in his left hand. 
Big win for the Pelicans, big night, and big road trip for Ryan Anderson. We'll wrap up the Black and Blue Report and get Rhino's thoughts exclusively from the team playing last night when we come back. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win, but here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well-fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Tuesday show. Of course, the Saints uh, on their way back from Seattle today. We'll pick up our coverage with them tomorrow and uh, turn our attention, thankfully, to the next opponent. That's the Carolina Panthers, and we'll uh, put the Seattle thing to bed. Our thanks to John DeShazer for stopping by today uh, as he was on his way to the airport in Seattle with the football team and uh, helping us gain some perspective on last night's loss to the Seahawks. We're also talking about the Pelicans' triple overtime win in Chicago. 131-128 was the final tally, and Ryan Anderson shined again. Rhino got the start last night at the four with Anthony Davis out, and with 36 points, a new career high, Anderson uh, capped probably the the best two-game stretch of his career after leading the Pelicans to a win uh, in New York on Sunday. Anderson shined prominently last night. He was also 5 of 5 from uh, three-point range in the uh, win for the Pelicans. And we got a chance to catch up with uh, Ryan Anderson last night on the plane heading back to New Orleans. So has that one sunk in yet? No. Um, It hasn't. Obviously, uh, it was um, intense. It was a battle. We fought, and it was just uh, such a great night for the team. Um, But I think that's going to kick in tomorrow. You know, it's the adrenaline's still going. Um, I know it's it makes this flight home a lot better, but uh, tomorrow's really gonna. You know, we, the, the problem is we have to put it behind us, though. You know, we got a game coming up, so can't think about it too much. But uh, I think uh, we're gonna be feeling it more than anything tomorrow. What what carried you and the guys through the third overtime? You looked exhausted. Man, what carried us was uh, I think just just. We just wanted it, you know. Um, this is a group that wants to battle, and we want to fight, and we want to prove ourselves. And, and uh, it was just a great uh, – the past two wins were, have been great for us, just showing that we can be relentless and and uh, we can battle till the end. And, uh, man, I mean, I'm just, I couldn't be more proud of the guys. Your last two games, and I haven't seen all of your games, but I've seen a lot of them. Your last two games are about as good as I've seen out of you yet. I'm uh, getting a lot of open shots, open looks, because the guys are finding me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, just want to come out and be aggressive. And, um, you know, it's just uh, it's we played fun basketball. And when we can really play great defense, move the ball, and uh, 
do a great job in fast break and transition. You know, it really leads to open shots um, in the perimeter. And, uh, you know, they, they've just done a great job of finding me. You got a new career high tonight. Have you, had you ever been aware of what your career high was? Um, I have. Uh, it, but, you know, obviously it's something, um, you know, you just want to go out and compete and you want to win. Um, you know, career highs and all those achievements and stuff, those are things to tell my kids about one day way down the road. You know, it's not something for now. And um, I'm just glad we got the win. It means nothing if we, we don't get the win. And, uh, um, yeah, so it was it was a really exciting, fun night. Along those lines, and then I'll let you get to your uh, dinner here on the plane, but, Ryan, when you have a win like that and you, and you do it shorthanded, what, what's next? What do you do? What do you do with the homestand off of that? Continue to, to uh, build and, and continue to work in practice. You know, it, it, it is incredibly, uh, it's really hard. It, it, sorry. It's a very tough situation of Anthony out. Um, and it does make it hard for us. You know, obviously uh, you saw tonight, you know, the, the rebounding edge was, was in their favor, uh, in Chicago's favor. But, uh, you know, it just shows that we just need to fight that much harder. We need to battle that much harder and, and really um, work as a team and as a unit, you know. Um, that's when we're at our best, and um, we just have to continue to do that, like you said, when we're shorthanded. So uh, we just got to keep building on it in practice. So as Ryan mentions in the interview, no rest for the weary. Back at it tomorrow to start a new homestand. This will be a four-game homestand with two games at home this week. Wednesday night, tomorrow night, it's the Dallas Mavericks. Friday, Oklahoma City. There are not, there aren't many tickets, I should say, for the Friday night game against the Thunder. There's still some selection for tomorrow night's game against the Mavericks, and of course, you can call 504-525-HOOP or visit Pelicans.com, and we'll see you at the games uh, this week. All right, that'll do it for this very busy Tuesday show. Again, a bittersweet edition of the Black and Blue Report. Unfortunately, the Saints uh, fall to nine and three with their loss last night. Pelicans now with nine wins on the season after winning a thriller in Chicago. Our thanks to Daniel Salerson, of course, helping us out here in Studio B today. John DeShazer, Coach Monty Williams, Tyreek Evans, Drew Holiday, and Ryan Anderson, and to you too for making us a part of your Saints and Pelicans uh, day. Don't forget to help us spread the word. We're available on iTunes for free. You can hit the subscription button, and it will download to your mobile device each and every day. And then Monday through Friday, of course, you'll catch the Black and Blue Report on your desktop at NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, or on each of the two teams' mobile apps, which are now available for both Apple and Android devices. Tomorrow on the program, we're back at you just after noon central. It's a Wesley day. David Wesley will stop by, anxious to get his thoughts on where things stand after the perfect road trip and where they are going without perhaps the services of Anthony Davis for quite some time. We'll get some perspective from Dallas regarding the Mavericks. And again, as I mentioned, we'll turn our attention to the Saints and the Panthers for this weekend. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Until tomorrow from New Orleans Arena. This is Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.